You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today, we do, as always, have, I don't know, one or two questions. So I want to take a peek at that, look at Morgan Burnett. We're just going to kind of wander around a little bit. I also want to say thank you very much to everybody doing the iTunes reviews. Uh, we did crack 100 reviews, so I could not be much happier than I am at this very moment. So thank you all very, very much for that. For those that would like to call or text in for a question or what grinds my gears, 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. So let's start by talking about Morgan Burnett. Here's kind of the thought process. Number one, I fully acknowledge that Morgan Burnett isn't an elite safety. I think if we get Morgan Burnett, it's sort of a discounted version of the upside that I had to say about Eric Berry. And what I mean by that is he's a veteran guy, he's a good locker room guy, he's a good leader for a defense, and all that is a pretty big benefit. Another benefit would be the fact that he's sort of like Adrian Amos, but not quite as good in terms of just being a solid football player. In fact, that was kind of the thought process about Adrian Amos as I was talking through uh, some of this stuff with a friend of mine, it kind of came to both of us like, oh, so Amos is basically like Morgan Burnett, right? With the versatility and, you know, not being super flashy or super, you know, he's not making highlight reels, but he's a solid guy that you don't mind being on the field, right? You just, you feel safe. He's not going to make crazy mistakes. I think if we were to bring back uh, Morgan Burnett, you would have Adrian Amos. And, and they would be similar to the Bears where they're interchangeable, right? They can both play high. They can both play in the box. They can both, you know, do free and strong and all that stuff. But I think the primary designation would be to Adrian Amos at free safety and Morgan Burnett at strong safety. Morgan Burnett, I think, is one of the more sure tacklers at safety that there is. I mean, he just, he always has been. He's just solid. Not the greatest cover guy in the history of the universe. But a good, solid, sure tackler um, who's just going to prevent horrible things from happening. Now, this isn't ideal, right? I, I Listen, I know what the main objection is. Why get Morgan Burnett when we can just draft a guy like Nasir Adderley? Well, the problem is, similar to free agency, again, not a supermarket. You can't just say, you know, walk up to the draft on day one and just be like, hey, just so you know, we're taking that guy. Like, how, you, okay, what, at 12? How, do you, how are you going to get him? We don't know what's going to happen. Now, it's very likely the Packers are going to reach if necessary. Not a lot, but again, you know, looking at the tiers, there might be some better players at around 30. You know, maybe there's a wide receiver who's a little bit better or a defensive tackle who's a little bit better, but they're looking at it going, if I don't take Taylor Rapp here or something, we just might not get a safety. There might not be very much left. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson could go or first round. Uh, Nasir Adderley. You know, Deontay Thompson, Jonathan Abram, whatever. I mean, there's guys available, but there's, you know, it's the other thing that's kind of annoying about drafts sometimes is it's like when people do mock drafts, I feel like as long as they get the position, everything's fine. Well, I mean, we can get a safety in the sixth round, but the odds of him being impactful and us being in a situation that isn't kind of dire uh, with just addressing that in the sixth round is not great. How many guys can we look at on this list 
and say, this is going to be our guy. He's going to go up there next to Amos, and we're going to have a couple really good safeties. Obviously, we don't know the answer to that question, but legitimately, how many guys can you look at on here and feel comfortable that, yep, this is going to be the guy? I'm not sure there are that many, especially if we want somebody that has, like, plus um, coverage skills or maybe somebody who can do both, you know? you got to be good in coverage and also good against the run. How many of those guys exist? Maybe one? Maybe two? So again, that, that's kind of the problem. If you can tell me definitively we're going to get whoever, then fine. This is easy. No, we're good. We don't need Morgan Burnett. We're fine. I, I mean, we could still use some depth, but, you know, we're kind of in a cap crunch here. Even even if we're talking about just two, three million dollars, it's still like, yeah, but I don't want to pay two, three million dollars. We kind of need all the money we have. So unless it's super dire or a great deal or a can't-miss thing or whatever, it's kind of a tough sell. So I would say yes to Morgan Burnett just as a, a safety thing. I'm, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm saying yes. I'm just saying this would be the, the, the reason to do it. Because I'm just looking at, and, and this is kind of where I'm at with things in general, looking at the Packers. There are certain things that it would be nice to have. Right, If we get another pass-rushing defensive lineman, that would be awesome. Is it a need? No, because if we don't address it from now until the beginning of the season, how dire is it at defensive line? It's not at all. If we don't get a single edge rusher, would we be disappointed? Of course. Would it be dire? Would we be ruined? No, we're still way better than we were last year. If we don't get a corner, is it dire? No, I would like to get somebody. I mean, you know, we got to get some more depth there. Maybe undrafted free agent, whatever. We'll, we'll pick up some somewhere. I mean, could could we possibly stand to benefit by getting better quality players? Probably, but it, I, again, are we ruined? No, we've got young, talented guys who there's a very good likelihood are going to take a step and we'll be all right. What about safety if we don't address it? Yeah, I think that's a problem. Safety's a problem. That has to get addressed. So that's where I look at it and say Morgan Burnett is an option, right? If if, if Justin Houston was still available or whatever, and it was, it, it, at, again, at that point, it's like, no, nah, look, we just, we can't spend money on that stuff. You know, wide receiver, I'd love to be able to get some more talented guys in there because I don't know how likely it is that our fifth-round guys and Geronimo and all these guys are going to step up and be super great. But guess what? We have the bodies. We have a lot of talent. We have a coach that can hopefully figure out how to get them going. And, you know, when you got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, you're already a lot better off than a lot of teams out there. So you can't really complain. So if we can just get Geronimo to be a good possession guy, and we got a deep threat, and we got some other stuff, and we can stitch together something that's pretty awesome, along with, by the way, a really good running back, we should be able to make an offense go. So again, in terms of dire, safety stands out. Linebacker stands out. Offensive line in general kind of stands out, because I don't know if we have a starting guard at this point. Obviously, Billy Turner is expected to be. He's getting paid like one, but I don't know if we have one. Tackle also, I think, is a bit dire. We have one really good long-term tackle. We have Balaga, who's, you know, in my opinion, very good. Whatever, varying opinions on that. But he's a starter, at the very least. I hope we can all agree on that. But even if he does stay healthy, how long is he going to be with the Packers, right? So, you know, even long-term, what, what do we need to address? Safety, linebacker, guard, and kind of like tackle-ish, maybe? At the, I mean, either way, it would be nice to get some depth, because if anything happens to Balaga or Bakhtiari, how doomed are we? Kind of very. And yeah, technically you can say that about any position, but if we lose a safety and we have bad... Qual- I mean, I. it's just a different level of oh no. right? The level of oh no if Bakhtiari goes down and Spriggs has to come in, 
compared to if Amos goes down and, you know, Josh Jones is our top safety is a little bit different. They're both oh no, but one is our season might be over oh no. The other is Petten's going to have to get real kind of creative here. Real kind of. That's how you know it's serious if you throw a kind of in there. That's how my brain works. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough call. It's not a, it, I don't know. It's just an ins- insurance policy, and it would have to come super cheap. I'm trying not to be biased because I really like Morgan Burnett. I kind of didn't want to get rid of Morgan Burnett. I had said at the time that would be a massive mistake because Ha Ha Clinton Dix plays real bad when Morgan Burnett isn't around because he got injured, and I watched Ha Ha Clinton Dix completely fall off. It was night and day difference when Morgan Burnett was helping out Ha Ha compared to when Ha Ha didn't have any help. So we got rid of him. Ha Ha fell off. Ha Ha got traded. Now we have zero safeties as opposed to having a duo that was pretty solid. And that's how quickly that can happen in the NFL, by the way. We thought we had a long-term awesome deal with HaHa going on. This pro bowler, he's going to be awesome for a long time. One of these days we'll find a replacement for Morgan Burnett, but we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> there goes that theory. But, I mean, I'm, I, listen, I'm not going to be overly dogmatic. There's no need to at me on Twitter or hit me up on Facebook and scream at me about it. I mean, give me your opinion, but please understand I'm not being dogmatic about this. I can see the argument for bringing Morgan Burnett because we absolutely need some depth. And even though I understand, I would ra- of course I agree with you, I would rather draft somebody. We can't guarantee we're going to draft anybody, at least not anybody that's you know automatically a starter, whereas Morgan Burnett will come in and be a starter. Not top tier, but it, it just provides that bottom. Right? It, right now, we don't have a bottom. It's just a bottomless pit. Adrian Amos is awesome. But there's more than one safety on the field at a time, and whoever the other guy is, at this point, not super comfortable with it. Right? If we're playing cover two, who's the number two in the cover two? And how good of a job are they going to do defending that half of the football field deep? The answer to that question is probably not too good. I just want a floor there, and Morgan Burnett provides that. That's all I'm saying. I got a question in the Facebook group from Danny. And essentially the question was something to the effect of, is there any real point to getting a veteran wide receiver and signing him to a one-year contract if it takes Aaron Rodgers a year to get comfortable with the receiver anyways? He pointed to Jimmy Graham and Rodgers not really having chemistry. Um, I think on its face it makes a lot of sense, and I think that would need to be taken into consideration before you sign somebody. But I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to take Rodgers a year. Now, I, I, he didn't actually say that. What he said was it, it, uh, Rodgers tends to not throw to guys he doesn't trust yet. But the implication is, you know, it's going to take a year or within a year there's not going to be trust or whatever. Um, I think it makes sense. And I, I'm, I'm not at this point advocating we go out and get a wide receiver. It was obviously an option uh, when I was talking about it. I'm assuming it was before we signed half the NFL. But it, as it pertains to the question maybe moving forward. Um, I, I, I think Rodgers does trust certain guys. Um, I'm not entirely sure that the issue with Jimmy Graham was chemistry so much. I got the impression that Rodgers really did respect Jimmy Graham and trust Jimmy Graham, and we saw that a lot in training camp, right? It was just, there felt to be, there seemed to be a, a bond between the two. I think, if anything, that trust maybe broke down over time because Jimmy Graham was dropping a lot of footballs. So, Again, I, I agree with the initial premise, and I think it's it's a worry because it could take time. But I don't, I don't know if time is even necessarily the biggest factor because it seems to be there's guys that get it and there's guys that don't. And we'll see what happens with the rookies. But I, I wanted to go back and kind of look at it a little bit because I, I, I really didn't know the answer to that question. I was trying to think definitively who was somebody that was brought in 
that shouldn't have been brought in because it didn't make sense, or it didn't work out at first, but over time they started to develop something. So I figured, well, since we don't really go out and get free agent wide receivers, why don't we just look at rookies? So I went back and looked at, for example, Randall Cobb in 2011. Now, the, the hardest part about this is you can't just look at stats. So, for example, if we just did that, you could look at Randall Cobb and say, okay, 34 targets, 28 receptions, 413 yards in his rookie season. After one year, 110 targets, 86 receptions, 985 yards, and eight touchdowns compared to one touchdown the year before. It looks like, to me, took a year to build a little bit of chemistry. Well, that's true if you don't take into account the amount of times he was on the field. We were stacked at wide receiver, and McCarthy didn't put Cobb in very much. So what matters more would be the percentage, and I, I can't find this stat anywhere, so I had to switch back and forth between screens, which took entirely too long. But the metric I'm looking for is... Um, snaps per target or targets per snap either way would be fine sorry about that noise that's my microphone rubbing things now it did increase it went from about 11 percent in 2011 to 15 percent so you could say definitively then boom there you go 15 percent of the time it went up but if you skip ahead to say 2015 which is about the middle of his career 132 targets 82 receptions for 867 yards and seven touchdowns it was one of his better years in terms of targets, it was second highest. However, if you look at his snap count and average it out, he's back down to 11%. And I just, just kind of taking a small sample size, aside from the top, top receivers, and of course, if you look at Devontae in 2018, I don't know what his number is, but it had to be astronomical because he was the only guy on the team. But I, I guess what I'm saying is I can't look at this and say that he didn't have a sort of trust for Randall Cobb right out of the gate. But I was going to say to finish the sentence, 10%-ish is kind of normal. So Randall Cobb getting 11% in 2011 isn't that crazy. And even that doesn't really necessarily say all that much. It's different if you've got two wide receivers compared to five wide receivers. Because when you got five wide receivers out there, I'm counting that snap, but you have a one in five chance if somebody does catch a football in that play. As opposed to if there's two wide receivers, then you've got 50%. So it's, it's going to be nearly impossible to actually gauge it, at least just looking at stats. I know, maybe if you watch some film, I know film guy, film guy slash perfect memory guy, I know all about it, man. Congrats on your perfection, someday I hope to attain that. So I, I, I guess the point would be, you gotta be smart about bringing somebody in, especially on a one-year contract, and it's probably true beyond wide receiver meshing with Rodgers, it's probably true of just about every team, right? The quarterback and the wide receiver have to be able to be in sync, but that's where a one-year deal with a veteran kind of comes in handy, where you just kind of assume that this is a guy who knows his stuff. He's an intelligent wide receiver. He understands how to listen. He understands how to practice. He understands scheme. He understands how to get open, how to do this, how to do that. There shouldn't be a massive breakdown similar to what we saw with Rodgers and the rookies, which I'm hoping was a large part due to our wide receiver coach, which is going to be much better this year, and everything's going to be perfect. Best wide receiver group in the NFL. Jimmy Graham will get 70,000 touchdowns, roughly, and I hope, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. But that was something that we saw with the wide receivers where it's there just was not chemistry. There was not, you know, Rodgers wants them to do something and he doesn't, they're not able to do it. But again, um, although I'm not advocating that we go get a wide receiver at this point in time, if you look at some available free agents, for example, Michael Crabtree, I really, really don't think it would take a year for Michael Crabtree and Aaron Rodgers to be in sync. I mean, you want another example? Okay, how about Kumaro? Kumaro came over and boom, they're in sync. That one didn't make any sense, but it just worked. It just, 
Kumro just, it's just about somebody doing what Rodgers says. Rodgers wants things to operate a certain way, basically the way the offense is supposed to operate. And as long as everybody's where they're supposed to be, there's not going to be a problem. That's the bottom line. This is how the play is supposed to run. Based on this and this, you're supposed to do this, and you should be open right here. So when I drop back, based on what the defense is saying, I know that I should be able to rely on you to be open on this particular play because this play, whatever. And when I look up and you're not where you're supposed to be, that's a problem. Guys like Kumaro apparently could figure that out. And they were just always where they were supposed to be. Therefore, chemistry. Geronimo Allison, same thing. Chemistry. Because Geronimo just does good things. And he does a really good job at catching balls. He's got great hands. So again, Michael Crabtree, if you were to come over here. Not advocating for it, but I just don't think it would be a wasted year. It could be. Right? Jimmy Graham was a wasted year, but again, I don't think that has as much to do with chemistry as it is with Jimmy Graham just playing terrible football. And I think in general, if we're getting guys that are older veteran type guys, chemistry isn't going to be the problem. It's just going to be deterioration of their abilities. That's going to be the problem. How much is left in the tank? You know, uh, 31-year-old Crabtree, 31-year-old Demarius Thomas, um, 34-year-old Jordy Nelson, right? The problem with Jordy coming back and no, I don't think he should come back. But the problem, well, he can't now, but the problem wouldn't be chemistry. Pierre Garçon, 33 years old, the problem would not be chemistry. That's just my opinion. I don't know. I mean, it, there could be issues. I don't know. Different scheme. Maybe certain wide receivers, some of these guys made great careers at their place of business because they were good at doing one certain thing and they come to Green Bay and it just it doesn't work. I don't know. But that could be true of anybody at any time. Any one-year contract, I think, has that. And I do think it's a good question for that reason because it's something to think about. One-year contracts always seem kind of like a good idea because it's usually cheap and there's very little risk. It's just, here's the money you get, and the next year we don't have to worry about you. But, I mean, if you're good, then we'll re-sign you, but if you're not, then who cares? But that is the one downside of potentially a one-year contract is you're spending money on somebody who maybe needs more than a year to figure this thing out. You know, pass rushers, uh, safeties, you know, different defensive scheme. Maybe it takes a while. I don't know. So, good question, something to think about, but I, I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that, uh, you know, somebody coming in is going to need a year, especially with Aaron Rodgers, because he's super picky about stuff. I, I don't know. I think if you were to ask Colin Coward, he would agree with that, but I, I don't know that I necessarily do. Or Skip Bayless. Which, by the way, if anybody would like to help me, I'm, I'm planning on uh, starting an effort, and what I would like to do, I'm going to need to raise some money, but I'd like to to fly down, I, I, I don't know, is he in Texas or is he in New York? I don't know where Skip Bayless is. we got to find out where he's at. What I want to do is get a bunch of shovels. I like to big a, dig a really, really big hole, and I want to see if we can get Skip Bayless to live in that hole. I'm not talking about burying the guy, I mean, come on. We can make it really big, really comfortable, nice furniture, climate controlled. We can put a roof on the hole, preferably actually a a roof on the hole. You know, ventilation, there's going to be air, um, television, all that kind of stuff. Just so long as he can't broadcast out of this hole, I think we've done a really good thing for, for society. And again... Let's keep the money coming in. We'll keep him as comfortable as possible. That man can eat T-bone steaks for the rest of his life in that hole. I just want to make sure he's in that hole forever. So um, if you're interested in uh, joining the Shovel Brigade, I'm, I'm working on the name. I haven't, I haven't really haven't really figured that out yet. So far, Shovel Brigade is as far as I've got. But um, looking for suggestions on the name and volunteers to dig a hole to put Skip Bayless in and make him go away forever. So let me know.
Next thing I wanted to talk about, it kind of came up randomly as I was just sort of musing a few things. I was looking at the Chicago Bears defense, and I was trying to figure out, you know, it's going to be tough to play that defense. One of the things that I think they do well that I think they could actually be better at as much as I think that there could be a regression, um, but it's it's their ability to stop the run. The two guys that they have on the inside are incredible against the run, Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. Khalil Mack obviously isn't going to be any worse at it. And even though losing Adrian Amos might hurt a little bit, um, the potential of Roquan Smith getting a lot better than he was is a very real possibility. He was an early round early first round pick seen by a lot of people as an elite level linebacker that played like not you know just not very good at all now I've already said that I was never a big fan of Roquan Smith but I'm gonna take the word of the talent evaluators and the scouts that really liked him as opposed to my gut feeling that because the guy can't take on blocks he's gonna struggle and I started looking at it and you look at their abilities up top with Jackson and haha over the top in coverage and they still have talented corners. And I started thinking about the best way to really attack them, and it's kind of tough. It's going to be hard to beat them deep with the safeties. It's going to be hard to run the ball. Safeties also are going to be, you know, plus in terms of, of coverage. And with the guys that we have not being super good in terms of coverage, I don't know about mismatches with tight ends. Devontae's going to be able to win one-on-ones in general. But I also think the way that LaFleur runs his scheme that I think we're going to be seeing a lot of um, zone coverage type stuff. And then it kind of clicked. There's one position, I think, that can really help the Packers' offense. And if it is true that with LaFleur's defense that we're going to be seeing a lot of zone, there's one position that's really, really important. I mean, outside of tight end, which is also important and maybe needs to be addressed. But it's a slot receiver, which is a position of need. And we all acknowledge it's a position of need, but I don't think any of us really take it all that serious, including myself. Like, we need it, but, you know, Equinemius can probably slide in there. He'll be fine. What if that was sort of key? What if getting somebody like a slot receiver and or a tight end that can pick apart zones across the middle and, and kind of find the soft spots between the linebackers and the safeties and all that kind of stuff, what if that was a critical piece of our offense going forward? Are we okay with just saying, well, let's see what Equinemius can do if that was sort of a, a critical pivot point for our offense? I don't think so. So considering we have a bunch of guys that can play outside, we got so we've got Adams, who is our X receiver. He's our guy that's going to get off press man coverage. He's great on in one on ones. Fantastic smooth route runner. Then we got a bunch of burners on the outside. Equinemius and Marquez, big, tall, fast guys. Not incapable as far as route running, but that's sort of the other dimension that they provide. But who's gonna who's gonna take out the middle of this defense? Who's going to be running in between the zones and picking that apart? So I guess I don't really want to argue so much about um, whether it's important. Let's just, for the sake of what we're doing right now, assume it's important. And then ask the question, at what point, if this is true, and again, we're pretending that it is. This is the most important piece to LaFleur's offense. we got to get a, peak, a key piece as a slot receiver. And again, we can probably satisfy this if we take tight end real seriously, getting a Fant or a Hawkinson or whatever, but we're talking slot receiver. Well, here's something interesting, and actually this is a player that was real, real big for Packers fans for a while that nobody's really talked about for a while, but I, I went over to this, uh, the advanced stats by Pro Football Focus, their scouting report or draft guide for 2019, and they have a whole section for slot receiving, and it's interesting because you, you can look at it and you can't sort any of this, and I tried to copy and paste it into Excel, and that doesn't work. The formatting is all messed up. So I guess, I don't know, 
got to do it the hard way and just comb through all this stuff. But the way they have it sorted to start is by yards per route run. They love those little extra metrics. I'll, you know, I want to look at passer rating, but you know, whatever. You know, touchdowns, yards, all that stuff kind of matters, but they they want their metric of yards per route run, and it does matter because it takes into account how much. You know, again, yards you can look at that's fine, but what if somebody was out there for a thousand snaps and somebody else is out there for three hundred? Yards per route run means every time that you run a run a route, how many yards are you going to get? And it's 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 also a cool metric because it just combines a lot of different things, right? I wanted to look at targets. Well, okay. How many targets per route is kind of important, but did you catch it? And if you caught it, how big of a play was it? How far down the field did you get? You know, yards after the catch, the whole thing. Yards per route run encompasses all of that. Every time you're on the field and run a route, what is the expected yardage? So here's the cool thing, or the, I guess, crazy thing. If you go down, not all the way to the bottom, because this goes quite a ways, but there's probably 30 or 40 on this first little sheet here. If you go down under the bottom here, we got David Sills. Average yard per route one was 2.44 yards. If you go up, 2.44, 2.48, 2.51. So it goes up very, very, very slowly. We're all the way in the twos, 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 twos. We got to get halfway up the sheet before we get into the threes with Nikhil Harry here at 3.07 yards per route run out of the slot. Then we're still in the threes. We got to go, you know, another half of the way up, almost all the way up until we get into the fours with Keyshawn Johnson out of Fresno State. Now he's the fifth one down, so we're almost to the top of this sh- sheet now. So twos and threes are, are, are 90% of the sheet. And then we got a couple fours near Keyshawn Johnson, Taryn Oncolade, never heard of him, out of Tulane, Debo Samuel, a possible target, and Hakeem Butler. Now Hakeem Butler is actually 5.21, so that's a pretty big jump. That's a big number. Hakeem Butler, by the way, is one of my favorite wide receivers in this draft class. I haven't really spent a lot of time watching wide receivers. But as I'm watching a lot of these guys, it's like, you know, okay, I watch A.J. Brown, yeah, okay. D.K. Metcalf, yeah, okay. You know, Paris Campbell, Debo Samuel, I watch these guys, I didn't really get it. I watched Hakeem Butler, <sighs> it just looks natural for him. And I, I, there's something about that I just, I really, really like, how he just looks so natural. Like, it just looks effortless, it looks easy. The route running, the catching with his hands, the, you know, just, everything just looks so smooth and natural, he almost looks bored out there. But Hakeem Butler is number two on this list. 110 snaps, 33 targets, 23 receptions, 573 yards. Now, I understand he's not really probably seen as primarily a slot guy. He had 60 total receptions for 1,300 yards and 9 touchdowns, but he's he has the ability to play in the slot. Now, again, remember what I said. Lots of twos, lots of threes, a handful of fours, and one five. The guy at the top of this list is somebody else that probably isn't primarily seen as a slot guy, but absolutely could be. A little less than half of his yards did come out of the slot. And more than half of his receptions came out of the slot. But the man I'm referring to is Mr. Hollywood Brown. 85 total snaps taken out of the slot. 41 targets, 32 receptions. 633 yards, 8 touchdowns, 3 drops. Yards per route run, 7.45. Now remember, there's only 15 guys in all of college football that are draft eligible right now on this entire sheet of I don't know, 100 wide receivers, however many there are, a lot. Only 15 have more than uh, than three yards per route run. So everybody else is less than three. All but two are less than five. Hollywood Brown has 7.45 yards per route run. That's yards per route run. That's not yards per reception. Let's get that straight. So if you put him in the slot and he runs a route, on average you can expect him to get 7.45 yards on that play. 
That's just kind of silly. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit goofy. Passer rating of 148.2. Now, I think the one good thing about this situation is there really isn't anybody that you can look at and say the Packers are getting kind of silly with it. In other words, there's nobody at 12 that's a slot receiver that the Packers can take. So there's not going to be this panic of, oh, no, please don't tell me they're going to take him at 12 like you get with DK Metcalf. A lot of people would be really upset if they put DK Metcalf at 12. But it's one of those things, if we're talking about we need a wide receiver real bad, then you start to panic like, oh man, maybe they're actually going to do it. He's not a slot guy. The earliest Hollywood Brown is going to go would be the Packers taking him at 30. And although some people maybe would get a little bit wary of somebody, whether it's Hakeem Butler, Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel, any of these guys going at 30, I don't think that's the kind of thing that's going to send Packer fans into a a massive meltdown. Now, it depends if they just dislike that wide receiver. But in terms of value and, and, and the perceived need at wide receiver in general, I don't think anyone's really going to freak out about that. But I think the perceived value of the guys that I'm ris- listing off as slot guys are probably guys that could be available at 44. The only question is if it becomes a huge need, maybe they do either take them at 30 or possibly even trade up from 44 in the second round to try to go get somebody. But the more I was looking at it, and that's kind of the, the focus or how I want to turn my focus as we get moving on a little bit. As opposed to what we generally do, which is to look at the Packers in a vacuum and say, okay, how do we bring, you know, the, the, you know, just talking in PFF terms, how do we get the 50s up to 70s? I want to look specifically at, you know, particularly the NFC North, but, but other opponents and say, okay, if, if you're playing the Packers, what are you going to do to stop them? And if you can find a weak spot and say, okay, if we just do this, the Packers can't win. How do we counteract that? I think a slot receiver and or tight end is going to be the biggest piece for this offense. The Packers can run the ball, and if we go up against a really tough defense that's really good at running the ball, and they say, okay, that's what we're going to take away, how do we counteract that? You know, if you say, you know, they like to press, how do we beat the press? If they've got good save, you know, there needs to always be that ability to beat something. You zig, we zag. And, And the first time I tried to exercise this, I looked at the Bears, I looked at the Packers, and I said, okay, here's probably what the Bears are going to do, and I said, man, we, I don't know what to do about that. So I really do think, you know, I, you know, again, tight end isn't really a big shock if, if they took tight end. But I think from Lafleur's standpoint, I don't know. I, I don't know what the evaluation is going on. I have no idea what his, his perception is of the offense. Maybe he thinks we got that figured out. He's looking at Jimmy Graham and saying, man, Mike McCarthy didn't know what he was doing. We're going to put Equinemius in the slot. We're going to have Jimmy Graham running all these kinds of routes. We're going to have MVS on the outside just, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Devontae, I mean, we can do whatever we want with Devontae. Maybe he's looking at it going, we're awesome. Let's just bulk up this offensive line and we're good to go. But again, as always, I'm just using the information I have and not making assumptions. A lot of times that's when I get beat up, it's by Packers fans that are making assumptions. Well, these people will get better. Well, LaFleur will use them better. Well, they were rookies. They're going to get better. Well, we got new coaches, so they're going to get better. Well, yeah, maybe. But either way, even if that's true for us, then it's true for everybody. And it's just a wash. I mean, are the Packers the only ones that are getting better this year? Or is every team getting better this year? So again, let's just take what we know and, and run with that. And, and from what I know, we need somebody that's going to beat up the middle of the field. Tight ends, slot receivers. That's a big weakness on this offense, in my opinion. Also, a receiving back wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either, just to kind of work sort of the, the closer up areas, just so you can kind of layer things a little bit. You know, if they're playing zone and they're watching forward and you got a running back that's kind of sneaking out of the backfield, it might kind of draw the attention away of the linebacker as Mr. Hollywood Brown, Hakeem Butler, whoever it is, Equinemius, MVS, is sneaking around behind him in front of the safeties. But you got to have at least some somewhat of a threat there. So it's kind of interesting to think about. 
on one hand, there's biggest need based on deficiency. On the other hand, there's biggest need based on, I don't even know how to phrase it. I guess abilities is kind of a weird way to say it. The ability to do multiple things as a team. How many things can this team do, right? There's certain things you can do really, really well. But in terms of, and you hear McCarthy and a bunch of other teams talking about being multiple and being able to attack you in multiple different ways. If we were to list the ways that the Packers can attack you, I don't think the list is all that big right now, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is very good. Devontae Adams is very good. Aaron Jones seems to be very good when he's healthy. Certain aspects of this team are very good. But if we, again, if we just made a list of the different ways that we can attack you and match up against you, I don't think we have a really big list compared to a lot of other teams. And if again, if you get really good defenses that have that ability to take away a couple different things, you know, the the the, the Bears in particular, you know, they, they can, you know, if they need to, they can play in their, their base because their base up front is so good at just getting home. They can play light up front. They don't have to bring extra pressure. So if, if they want to kind of tweak what they do to kind of take away this or that, they can kind of leave something a little barren because they can usually hold their own. And so it's going to be up to the Packers to kind of rise above that and say, whatever, you can go that way, we'll just go this way. You really want to play zone? Because we got a guy like Hollywood Brown. We've got TJ Hawkinson that are just going to eat up your zone. We're just going to tear you apart. You know, Devontae Adams is going to be really good at that. You want to play man? Obviously, Devontae is just going to destroy you. And you're going to have to have a good amount of speed and, and help over the top because we can take the top off. And then obviously there's kind of the macro sense of you want to play pass, we can run. You want to play run, we can pass. But I think in terms of multiple things that the the team can do that's one big thing and a really good tight end and or a really good slot receiver are really going to open some things up for the Packers anyways um in the interest of getting this podcast out early and not being another late one I'm going to stop it here because I can hear everybody waking up it's a little bit of a short one today but some food for thought to think about and uh, maybe head over to NFL big board and go look at some prospects and let me know what you think jump in the Facebook group let me know which guys in the slot, which tight ends, or how you feel like would be the best way to approach that, some different prospects that you like. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.